The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Money starts right now, live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Pete and Jerry and Tim Seymour, Rich Ross, and Dan Nathan. Tonight on Fast, the state of Massachusetts issuing a major warning for Bitcoin, telling investors the rally could end in disaster. Secretary of the Commonwealth, William Galvin, the man behind that Bitcoin warning, will be here. Plus, it's been a record-breaking year for the markets, but if you're worried things could slow down come 2018, don't worry. Jonathan Golub, one of the biggest bulls on Wall Street, says the rally is just getting started, and he's got his eye on one sector in particular. And later, Pete here has been unstoppable with his pitches all year. Can he knock it out of the park once again with his new call on a stock that's already up 50% this year? We'll find out. But first, we start off with what has been a stellar year for the markets. The Dow, S&P, and Nasdaq all on pace for their best performance since 2013. And there are a handful of stocks that have been real standouts. Check out Win up nearly 100%. Boeing, DR Horton, PayPal up around 90%. Caterpillar, Best Buy, Facebook all surging. These are just a few of the stocks that been smashing record after record all year. So the question is simple tonight. You stick with these high flyers heading into the new year. Pete Najarian, what do you say? Yeah, I think there are specific names in there that stand out to me. I mean, Wynn and Best Buy are two names that I've loved for a long, long time. I continue to like them. I look at Best Buy, though, and I look at the valuation there. That's more appealing to me right now than Wynn. Wynn has had an absolutely incredible run. You showed the 100% gains. This is a stock that Steve Wynn actually was in there and he was telling you, hey, look, this is too cheap. I'm buying my own stock back. Now he's got 12 million shares of his own stock. That's a guy who was committed and showed us the way. But is the valuation a little bit high? If there's any missteps at all in Macau, that stock's going to tumble down. Then I think that creates opportunity. But I don't feel I'm not in it right now and I'm not chasing it right now. I'm waiting for any opportunity on a pullback. But I look at a lot of those names. Valuations can look stretched, but if they've got growth and they've got growth in the right areas, and in particular like a Boeing where you've got all that cash that's coming in every single quarter, they still remain very interesting to me. But there's not a valuation on there. I, like, I agree with you on right. win, and, and I, I think Best Buy, which is always cheap, is less cheap, but has had a yeah. great run, and you can make an argument what we saw on Christmas. But it, it's going to come down on valuation. This Caterpillar valuation is really difficult. Yeah. Um, I think the, yeah. the D.R. Horton move is mostly about that four-star acquisition. Yeah, we're at cycle highs on new home sales, but I think these guys have had a lot of wind at their backs. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at Boeing, though, and ultimately that's the valuation that I have uh, the easiest time biting into right now, and that ERJ announced deal whether some part of that happens, whether they take down that regional jet business, it shows who's driving the global air, aircraft business. Yeah, they're, re- they're responding to Airbus Bombardier, but Boeing is still ahead of the game with enormous free cash flow. That means a multiple change, and I think that's well, why they get so it. What's wrong with a cat valuation right here, given the synchronized global growth? Copper at a three-and-a-half-year high, all signs pointing to growth around the world. Because this is a higher valuation that they had when, when uh, you know, you can look at the world, say, in 2005 and six, when we really were building mines to nowhere, and everybody he was building infrastructure, and this was a real big call. I, look, I, I think that everything you just said is is going on, but I think Caterpillar got the benefit of the doubt of people not believing, and I think a lot of that is probably in the price. He mentioned a stock that you think the chart looks 
amazing, yeah. awesome. Well, look, let's let's be fair. All of these stocks are big winners, so all of the charts look amazing. The trend is your friend until it ends, mm -hmm. Pete. You know that. You're yep. a trader from the pits. That being said, there's nothing in these charts which would suggest that those trends are exhausted. And more importantly, let's look at that macro backdrop, the themes that are supporting these big trades. You're talking about the consumer in Best Buy, in D.H. Horton. You're talking about the home builders. That's a 12-year base breakout. Then you talk about those big cyclicals, Caterpillar, Boeing, synchronized global growth, low inflation, low interest rates, low volatility. You can make a case for a lot of names, and the strong stocks are a great place to start. You know, I get that these are great charts because they, in hindsight, they've had a great run and they still look like good charts, but that doesn't do anybody any good tomorrow. When do, what are you at looking at point, to see this chart yeah. breaking down, I guess is my point, because that's... That's the big thing with charts. Well, look, take a, take a chart like PayPal. This is a stock that hasn't even been below its 50-day moving average in the last 10 months. You want to talk about strength. These stocks haven't even stopped going up, let alone start to go down. So before we talk about exhaustion, let's start to move sideways. Let's break below some support. These are very strong trending stocks, once again, not just on a stock-specific basis, but on a macro level as well, which are the drivers that keep these trends going. He would recommend almost every single stock that we've talked about so, so far tonight, Dan. It's interesting Dan. to me, and, and, and I would say that all of these have really good fundamental stories. They're all very different stories for all intents and purposes. And PayPal's a great example of a company that, you know, this is something that we had been talking about for most of 2016. This whole desk convinced that this is a secular shift going on in payments, not just mobile payments, that sort of thing, and, and not just peer-to-peer, -peer, but also um, online sales, e-commerce exploding. You know, back to PayPal, just real quickly. So that was a trend in 2016. So now the stock PayPal up 90%, okay, it has stalled. It did have a 10% pullback here. And so at one point, do you get back in? Because that's a trend that's going to be continuing to go forward. Here's a company that's going to grow sales and earnings 20% a year, trading at 30 times. So at some point, we want to see a check back, a bit more of a 10%. And then you'd say, okay, it's properly discounted that. Just real quickly, on Best Buy, okay, so here's one where Less than 10% of their $40 billion in sales this year are online. So when you think about this stock at an all-time high right now, it really doesn't matter. It's trading well below a market multiple, that sort of thing. It always if does. You, it always does. It's uh, always cheap. Understood. Man. But if you think that they have a quarter of Amazon sales, and we were talking last night, who's going to be buying Target or this and that or whatever? What sort of guys are going to go with this barbell approach like Amazon and Whole Foods, you say to yourself, oh my goodness, here's Best Buy with $40 billion in electronic sales. That would be a fabulous partner for some sort of online e-tailer sort of thing, in my opinion. So to me, again, this stock needs to come back to where it broke out from a little bit. You can't just buy it at all-time highs as we had in the Are you year. saying it could be a target of Amazon? I'm not Amazon, but somebody who just wants to be Just anybody else on online, yeah, another Amazon. To me, online. I actually, just so you know, we talked about this last night. I think Amazon's going to have a really hard time buying another bricks-and-mortar retail within a year of their um, of their And how about the fact that Amazon finally is starting to see more and more and more competition in the online space? And I know that they own the space right now. I mean, they're the big behemoth, but everybody's sort of chipping away at it, whether you're yeah. talking about Walmart, you want to talk about Target, you want to talk about Best Buy, they're all competing. And one of the things that Best Buy did when the new CEO stepped in there, he made all kinds of different changes, one of which was, hey, look, we're going to compete online. They continue to grow at a 20-plus percent rate every single period we go through. We see this growth rate. They also put off a lot of cash. They do a store-within-a-store yeah. model. A lot of people sort of scoffed at that early on. Stores That's are really, better. It's a better experience. It's worked much better. better for electronics because you're not yeah. going to buy a TV without having seen it. You're going right. to go in there and what these guys have worked on with Samsung and some of the other big manufacturers, they have Best Buy lines. So you can find a cheaper brand, but it may not be there. Um, and, and therefore, they're going to get you close. I yeah. agree with Pete. I mean, these guys, they decided what the game was. They went to war. And these guys are competing on 
price, yet you're not going to go and order this stuff online. You may go to Walmart, but you're, you're going to go to Best Buy if you really want electronics. Even beyond the list that we put up uh, at the top of the show, are there winners this year that you would fade? Well, here's the thing. We've been talking about semiconductors a little bit. Yeah. You know, we started to have this debate. Like a Micron about, is the top performer. Well, yeah, so, so to uh -huh. me, I think the fever's broken in Micron. And, and, you know, again, the fact that they actually, I know you disagree, but the He's fact that they had that beat raised show, last show week, laughing at Dan. the stock gapped up 5%. It gave broken. it all back, I mean. and now it's lower than where it was. I think you're seeing a lot of charts like that in semiconductors. Maybe not yet. Yeah, look, in, in, the, in, the short term, in the short term, we have seen this a very aggressive rotation vis-a-vis -vis buying energy stocks, buying beaten down retail names, and selling to a degree your outperforming semis. They're down about 6% over the last month in contrast to energy up almost 8%. So fair point. But that's just one month. Think about what we've done over the course of a year. And let's just talk once again about the macro. It's hard to see GDP picking up. These are very cyclical companies. So how is the economy going to pick up, which is our call? But cyclical names like the semiconductors are not. It, it just doesn't make sense. The charts are there. Buy them on the pullback. This is a pause. This is not a breakdown. I I agree with that, but I would say if you think of an NVIDIA, and even if you think of some of the gaming stocks, people believe that these guys are, have you know, found, created the, the, the new wheel, whatever you want to say, that they have found magic in a bottle that no one else can touch. And I, I think actually a lot of that is priced in. I think there's a lot of competition coming. All right. Our next guest says, now that the tax plan is done, expect Wall Street to get even more bold up. Let's bring, bring in Jonathan Golub, chief U.S. equity strategist at Credit Suisse, one of the biggest bulls on Wall Street. He joins us live from Florida. Lucky you, Jonathan. Hi there. <laughs> Hi there. Um, How's the weather know, in New York? Oh, it's, it's frigid. Trust me. <laughs> um, you know what's interesting? We have been having this debate about whether tax is priced in for so long. And then companies will come out, they'll finally outline the impact to EPS and the stock goes higher. So obviously not everything is priced in. You actually think that there's more of that to come. I, I do. I, you know, you don't yet have the details from the companies and you're not going to begin to get that until the upcoming earnings season, which doesn't hit until the end of January or early February. The estimates are all going to rise across the board, um, mostly because the, uh, the details aren't yet... Um, being put forth by companies and the analysts who cover them. And when we see that, the stocks are going to go higher broadly. 3,000 is your target. Uh, does that incorporate what you think will be the impact from tax or no? It, it does. And, and uh, about a week ago, we, um, we moved both our market target up, but also our expectations for, uh, for EPS. And if, if I'm right, we're going to have a double-digit increase in earnings, and about half of that is going to come from um, plain old, better um, underlying organic growth, and half of it is going to be due to just one-time tax-related issues. Where do you see the biggest discrepancy in terms of where stocks are trading and uh, the lack of tax impact that's being priced in? In other words, where could we see the most upside surprise sector-wise from revisions higher from tax? Yeah, I mean, for, you know, if you're just looking at taxes alone, and I, I don't think that's the right way to look at it, mm -hmm. but it's going to be businesses that are more domestically oriented. And, and we've talked about this in the past, but it could be retailers or banks or utilities is that, that simple? primarily I mean, you don't do think, business in the I U.S. I guess the, the question <clears throat> implied in my question, Jonathan, is that in a lot of these sectors that you're naming, we've seen a huge run in the past month. Retail, Correct. for instance, is the perfect example. So are we actually going to see that move higher once the revisions come in? Or are we pricing that in already? And are there sectors where they have not moved um, in the past month or so? And, and so the revisions could have an even bigger impact on those stocks. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one area that, that's gotten 
uh, beaten up because of this tax issue is the tech sector, and rightfully so, but it's trading so inexpensive now where its P.E. multiples are, are only a tad higher than the broad market, and yet they represent much, much faster growth that I think that the tax um, effects, which is more negative for the tech sector, represents a buying opportunity for a lot of investors to get in who perhaps have been scared off by their higher valuations. So I, I think it's more complicated. But if you're just looking at the earnings, the earnings are really simple. The domestically oriented companies are the biggest winners. From a stock price perspective, mm -hmm. I think you have to be, I really have to look at the underlying fundamentals. Um, I do agree with some of the comments we've heard before. Financials, I think, are going to be uh, an area that I know it's a reasonable consensus view, but I think financials are going to have a terrific year. That's an area that is a big winner. Tech should be a winner this year again, but taxes are, are going to be a headwind. So I, I think it's beyond just the simplicity of, of just playing taxes alone. Hey, Jonathan, it's Tim. Uh, mind the sunscreen down there, by the way. Um, so you talked about multiples, and this is really, to me, what it all comes down to. Cynics might say strategists you know, can, can play around with the multiple. Um, I can do the math on yours. You're somewhere just south of a 20 times multiple on the S&P. Um, where would you have been if this tax deal hadn't come through? Well, for, well let's, let's look at multiples the way that most investors do, which is on a forward basis. We were looking at before any tax plan, we had about an 18 and a quarter multiple uh, on stocks. I mean, for every dollar you earned, you're willing to pay 18 or, or, or so dollars to buy that company. If earnings go up as much as I expect, the multiple gets cheaper. Um, so I think that you're probably, on, on the actual earnings, you're probably paying something like 17 forward. This tax plan makes the market less expensive than it would have been otherwise. Jonathan, great to see you. Thank you. Good to see you. Jonathan Golub. All right, so let's delve a little bit deeper into what Jonathan was talking about in terms of technology. I had happened to read a note today from KeyBank, um, taking a look at the tax rates for a lot of the FANG stocks. Facebook will go to a 7.8% tax rate from 20% right now. Apple will go to 12.3% from 25.5%. This is on top of the ability to repatriate, repatriate. Right, overseas profits at a lower rate. So. Why is tech being punished? Doesn't that feel like a heck of a, a tailwind coming? I, I think it's probably getting punished, quite frankly, right now because of the rotation that we're seeing in the marketplace. They had their nice run, and then suddenly we got a different rotation into the marketplace. So I just continue to think that part of the health of this market and part of the reason we've seen the market go where it's gone this year has been it's not just FANG. It's a much broader, and every single sector other than energy, for the most part, right. has participated in this. I think the interesting thing is Jonathan said financials. But he didn't say necessarily the big cap banks or, the, or regionals. And I think there is a huge discrepancy there. If you look at the year to date, the regionals have definitely trailed big time. Yep. So they should be, because of the tax, they should be the, the winner, yeah, you would think. And there could be M&A amongst there sure the should be, or could banks. Be, yeah. What do we do today, Dan? Can I just say one thing, though, Bill, before that? Yes, you um, may. I think sentiment is the biggest <laughs> issue right here as it relates to FANG. When you look at all those stocks and you look at where analysts are, there's like 45 buys five holds and no sells, right? And then when you look at their outperformance relative to the market, you have 30, 40, 50% gain year to date. So to me, it may not have much to do with how people feel about taxes or this and that or whatever. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that we can't get any more bullish. And the fact that the stock market has had, it hasn't had more than a 3% sell-off peak to trough in over a year is setting up for a, a correction that will be bought most likely unless there's some sort of um, ex, you know, external event. Can I now ask my question again and answer? 
Yes. What did you do today? Yeah, I, I'm actually trimming stuff going into year end. I, I, I'm trimming some retail. I'm trimming some energy. I'm trimming stuff that I, I just I think sentiment is to run away here. I mean, no one is pricing in anything. Volatility fell almost 5% at one point today. Uh, and I do think that while the world is a very good place, we're, we're not pricing in any risk. I, I believe all this stuff I can buy back cheaper. So I think taking 10 to 20% off the table is a good thing. Do we look like we're setting up for a quick correction soon? In the, in the broader market? Well, I don't, you would almost I, think so because he's actually wearing a jacket to defend himself. I mean, he's, he's true. Truly you look great, man. Look, I'm all fired up. I think volatility tends to pick up in the new year as people reposition their portfolios right. on the margin. New money comes in. But all of that being said, I keep coming back to technology. You talk about what happened last year. We saw a very similar type of rotation where tech, mid-teens type declines in those fang names. That would have been the worst sell that you could have made this year. It turns into the best sector this year. They're lying in the weeds here. Facebook flat, Netflix mm. flat over the last five months. Now you're entering the strongest period of seasonality. It's January February, you got to buy these stocks while you can, not when you have to. Coming up, the state of Massachusetts warning the Bitcoin boom could end in disaster. William Galvin, the man behind the call, will be here to tell us what has him so nervous. Plus, a number of hot stocks are trading at a major discount to analyst price targets. The traders will tell you which ones are worth your money. And later, Tesla shares tanking again today, the stock falling back into bear market territory on concerns over Model 3 production. But are the fears overblown? We've got the details. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. KeyBank saying Tesla Model 3 deliveries will disappoint again, and that kicks off our top trades. The firm slashing its Model 3 uh, predictions to 5,000 cars from 15,000, sending shares back into bear market territory. This a day after CEO Elon Musk said he was, quote, dying to make a pickup truck. So does Tesla have an over-promise, under-deliver issue? I think the bigger issue here is that it used to do that and the stock used to go up. It did that today, and stock didn't do anything. Yeah, I think it's important to remember the stock is still up 45% of the year. Mm -hmm. So it's down 20% from those highs in September. Again, I think that there was a lot of kind of news, um, a lot of positive sentiment in the stock at that point. And now people are digesting what it looks like for 2018. Next week, we're going to get a sense. We're going to know what Model 3 deliveries were like in this past quarter. And at the end of the day, I suspect that investors kind of take it in stride. Because just like at the end of last year was a 2017 story for the Model 3, now in 2018, 18 story for the Model 3, too, you know? And so no matter what he tweets about, about this truck or that trailer or this and that or whatever, those are 19 and 20 stories. Yeah, yeah. My, my, my thing with this whole thing on the Model 3 is I, 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 I'm at a point where I don't even think it matters on the deliveries because I think there's going to be an excuse for it. Um, and, <laughs> and if you want to price it for other stuff, I get that. I get the AI. I get the EV. I think it's a special company. But, but how are we going to value it? So we get to a place where we say they're going to get to a 25% gross margin on the Model 3 when they don't have anywhere near the scale and the ability to amortize fixed costs and, and and to, to what, what their competitors do. And their competitors aren't even getting at 25%. So this is my big gripe. And again, I, I don't think that that's, if you're long Tesla, you're long it for not the things that I'm talking about right now. You're talking about a trillion dollar opportunity that you want to be on right. board for, I get it. And so if the margin target is pushed out by a couple, three quarters longer term, meh. That doesn't really matter, You know, we it? trade stocks all the time on this desk, NVIDIA being one of them, sure. right? I mean, what, what, what do we got for a PE there? What are we looking for there? We're looking for the growth. We're looking for the categories, and they happen to be in one of the categories, autonomous, right? So when you look at that with Tesla, Tesla is a software company that also masquerades as an energy company that also has a hardware component. That's what Tesla is. So when you say, what should we value this at? It's funny to me that it even gets valued just off of the cars. 
because it's all car analysts presently, other than maybe Gene well, Munster, Pete, right? Hold on, though. I mean, but, and you guys I'll, say this, but software companies that are up, you know, Salesforce, they have 60, 70, 80% gross margins. So you're talking about all these fixed costs and their ability to amortize it. And let me tell you, it won't be a software company if they don't make cars. So, I mean, so to me, I don't Do you really think they're a disruptor, right though? Kind of like an Amazon. Course, I mean, it's Amazon. It's an amazing company with an amazing okay. leader with an amazing product, but they're very unprofitable. And within right Amazon, now. we have e commerce, and what's the other element? So they built this it's public cloud. cloud. I so get that's it. what I'm just okay. saying. So a lot of us, so a lot of us finance them doing a hundred billion dollars in retail with no margin so talk, and a 28 percent margin. And by the way, this analyst, he had it at a sell at 250. He's had it a hold at 250. And basically 250 seems to be the price target. And here it is trading 311. Drop a decimal and the stock's so, down 60 cents today. Let, let's take, today let's take a move. step back from the valuation. Let's talk about market cap, talking about paying for the future, buying into a dream. People are trading Bitcoin here, which yes. has just came out with the Squadouche model, which is basically nothing. You're buying nothing. It's got a $300 billion market cap. Tesla, we're talking about $50, 50 billion. billion. You're not only investing in something that has an actual product called a nice car, but, right. but the, the greatest showman on earth, which is Elon Musk. So you're who's, buying the who's future. Who's buying a billion and a half? I mean, come on. I mean, we can't uh, compare this to Bitcoin and say everybody's buying Bitcoin, so buy Tesla. Well, I mean, I'm or, sorry. Well, yeah, but you want to talk about valuation and buy Tesla. <laughs> What's that? Satoshi Nakamoto should buy Tesla. Well, but you've got some of the smartest guys in Silicon Valley. Mark Andreessen, one of them, right? I mean, I think we all probably think he's a pretty sharp guy, right? He says 10 years from now, this will be the tech company of Silicon Valley. I mean, not that he's necessarily exactly right, but he's talk, calling it a tech company. Are you company. long Tesla? Uh, I have certain positions in bonds in that. Yes, I do. Oh, you do now. In okay. bonds. Got it. Bonds. All right. Still ahead. Rich Ross here says three stocks trading at a huge discount to Wall Street expectations could be on the verge of a major breakout. He'll give us the names. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC. First in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. Mom! Dad! It's evil! Don't touch it! That's what the state of Massachusetts said about Apple in the early 80s. And now they've got a similar warning for Bitcoin. We've got the details. Plus, Pete's had the hot hand, going undefeated with his fast pitches. Can his winning streak continue with one stock that's already up 50% this year? Find out when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Bitcoin just keeps surging, but a number of regulators could be gearing up to crack down on the cryptocurrency. Bob Bisani's at the NYSE with more. Hi, Bob. Hello, Melissa. The list of regulators worrying about the perils of investing in cryptocurrencies is long, and it's getting longer. Just last week, in response to a rash of companies claiming to suddenly becoming cryptocurrency companies, FINRA told investors to be wary of cryptocurrency stock purchases from aggressive cold callers, even if the claims sound plausible, particularly if the recommended stocks are very low priced. And two weeks ago, SEC Chairman Jay Clayton also warned against investors putting money into cryptocurrency, saying the SEC has not yet approved any initial coin offerings or ETFs holding cryptocurrencies. None. And even the regulators of Bitcoin futures, the CFTC, admit they don't regulate the spot or cash market for cryptocurrencies and that some of these currency platforms may be missing critical system safeguards and other customer protection systems and may be vulnerable to hacks and theft of virtual currency, and indeed have been. Then there's William F. Galvin. He's the secretary of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts who warned investors several weeks ago, just as futures trading in Bitcoin began, that, quote, because trading on the CBOE gives Bitcoin an air of legitimacy, investors must be aware of the inherent risks of investing in Bitcoin 
and the fraudulent schemes associated with it. Is Bitcoin completely unregulated? You know, not entirely. Exchanges are licensed by states. So Coinbase, for example, is licensed by the state of New York, and they are subject to state laws that govern financial transactions. And there's also common law fraud statutes that exist out there. There's also know your customer and anti-money laundering laws that may also apply here. And if this gets much bigger, Melissa, you can expect regulators on both the state and the local level to get a lot more involved. Back to you. Absolutely. Bob, thank you. Well, as Bob had mentioned, the state of Massachusetts issued a warning on Bitcoin earlier this month. Now, interestingly enough, the state made a similar move back in the early 80s when Apple went public, citing the tech company as a danger to investors. You know how that story goes. But will they be right this time around? Let's bring in the man behind the Bitcoin warning, Massachusetts Secretary of the Commonwealth, William Galvin. Mr. Secretary, thanks so much for joining Fast Money. We do appreciate it. Happy to be with you. Uh, we highlighted the, the statement that your office made in the 80s about Apple for one reason, and that is what well, makes your office... Of course, I wasn't in office uh, of at course, that time. Of course, of course. But yeah. what, makes, what makes your office qualified to give investors advice about a specific kind of security? Well, because it doesn't pass the smell test. There is no product. Even the example you're providing of Apple, there was at least a theory of a product. There is no product here. This is entirely speculation. That's already been proven by the wild gyrations of the value. It's also subject to manipulation because no one can explain it. No one can control it. No one can explain exactly where and when, from whence the profits are going or coming. Uh, this is clearly a bubble. Uh, there's no question about that. It, it is a bubble. It is being fed by the frenzy that people believe they're going to make money by simply investing in this. We've seen this. Bu we've seen bubbles for centuries. Uh, this certainly qualifies. There's a very interesting piece today uh, in Wonk Blog by a guy named Matt O'Brien, who I don't know, but he makes the point that by simply adding the word blockchain to your name, a company totally unrelated could go up. So I think it proves it's a bubble and a wild mania. Aren't these, aren't these two separate issues, though? You're warning specifically on Bitcoin, and what you're talking about sounds to me like fraud. When a company whose main product may be, say, a beverage like iced tea adds blockchain to the name, and this is an actual real-life example, Long Island right. Iced Tea is the company. It became Long Blockchain, and it saw the stock surge after that without really having much of an investment or any revenues tied to any sort of blockchain technology. Isn't that fraud, and that is separate from issuing a warning specifically on, on Bitcoin? Or it could be fraud. But well, that, that could be, that could be, and we may look at it. But I'm sp I spoke to Bitcoin because there is no there there with Bitcoin. It is a concept. And what we said very clearly was is that if you didn't understand it, if you, didn't under if you weren't susceptible or if you, if you weren't able to accept the risk that it inherently had, do not invest in it. If you think you understand it and you are in a position to take the risk, you're free to do that if you want. But we've seen too many average investors get sucked in by the, the mania about these things, believing they're losing out on something and lose their money in the past. So we've had plenty of bubbles in the past. We think this is a bubble. Your office has been uh, in the forefront of actions on behalf of the investor and protecting the investor. So are you taking a look at bringing any actions, whether it be against an exchange or, or any companies specifically? The short answer is yes. Obviously, there are some ICOs out there that's a so-called initial coin offerings. Mm -hmm. 
uh, we believe they certainly qualify as a security. We're also seeing the bundling of investments in bit, Bitcoin by various, in, in various instruments. They could well constitute uh, something our office would look at. Bitcoin itself uh, allegedly is a currency, and so since it's a currency, we would not have direct jurisdiction over the currency. Although, as the report that led into this interview provided, there are other regulators uh, who, I might add, don't always agree, but we all seem to agree that this is a problem. Are you working with other regulatory agencies, for instance, perhaps the CFTC or the SEC in, in terms of enforcement? You are not. Okay, no, we, not we, at this time, but we, we have worked before with them, and certainly if the opportunity <laughs> presents itself, we may. In, We're just interested in protecting our investors right sure. now. Sure. And it, it may not be under your jurisdiction because maybe some other regulatory agencies uh, govern it specifically at this point Possibly. in time, but uh, are there areas in in this whole emerging industry that concern you when it comes to investor protection? Yes, uh, as you've already pointed out, we've, we have several examples where people are trying to adopt the lingo of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies to try to enhance the value of stocks that have nothing to do with it. We have various instruments being supposedly presented as having Bitcoin uh, investments, which are of concern to us. We have these so-called ICOs, where initial coin offerings, not even Bitcoin, other entities that are of concern to us. Uh, this is uh, clearly an area that has a great, is ripe with the potential for fraud. And we're very concerned about that. And we don't want to see investors make the mistake of getting in here if they are getting into something that's fraudulent. All right, Mr. Galvin, thank you so much for your time. We do appreciate it. My pleasure. It. William Galvin, thank the you. Secretary of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. He said that this industry is in his crosshairs. This is the next sort of, I don't want to say shoot a drop, but this has always been a concern for Bitcoin investors, what could that regulation look like? So I would say like? a, a couple things. I'd say for those um, coins that are on Coinbase, they are regulated, like he said, by states right. and everything like that. That's fantastic, okay? What he's talking about in ICOs, he's talking about all these other currencies that are trading on all these other exchanges. They all should be regulated. You, as somebody interested in this, should feel good about that, that regulation's there. It's there to protect you. The one thing I will disagree with him about is that when you think about Bitcoin, it is not a fraud. I mean, it is the first permanent global decentralized ledger of records. That is the use case for blockchain. That's what it's being, you know, right there. So that exists. There is, uh, he said there's no there, there, there. that's the there, well, there. And, and it's mean, legitimate geez, because so. concept or, or tangible, I mean, there's something that people can actually invest or you call it speculate in. So the reality is that the CFTC and the SEC don't necessarily have jurisdiction in the underlying, but they do in right. securities that are based on the underlying. And I think it's great that we're getting more of that. In fact, that's what those guys are there to do. And, and, and I think they're having a difficult time watching the underlying do whatever it wants to do. And, and by the way, the CFTC does not have jurisdiction over the underlying commodity on which a lot of their... Right, lot that's, of the, that's my point. The corn they, market, they don't for care instance. About corn. They don't corn, regulate they the corn, corn market, yeah. but corn futures And you know what? We have seen areas of the market in the past where we've absolutely seen volatility that's absolutely outrageous. We've seen it constantly. So I don't, I don't know that that was a great point, but I loved what he actually said one specific line, which was, people must understand the risks. And, and he's trying to protect the folks that are out and there. And that goes for any investment. Absolutely. Though, I was about this. to say, that's yeah. the way everything should be. But this is Pets.com. I mean, this is no different than anybody slapping.com. There was a movement going yeah. on. This is a movement. This is a, a generational thing that people are behind. Uh, you know, it's not a surprise. Still ahead. While everyone has been focused on Bitcoin mining, quietly real mining stocks have been breaking out. But have any of these names come too far too fast? We will explain. Plus, Pete has been on fire with his fast pitches, knocking each and every one of them out of the park. And he's hitting the mound once again tonight with one name that's already up 50% this year. We'll see if he can hold his MVP status. Much more Fast Money right after this. <laughs> Pete.
Welcome back to Fast Money. Let's do a little bargain hunting. According to FactSet, there are roughly 70 stocks in the S&P 500 trading at least 15 percent or more below their average analyst price target. So uh, some of those uh, include Western Digital, which is currently 44 percent below its target. Broadcom, another name in the space, <clears throat> Wall Street's overshooting on. And then there's Expedia. Analysts expect that stock to rally nearly 30 percent from current levels. And check out pharma company Vertex, which is soaring more than 100 percent this year, but is still trading 21 percent below Wall Street's average estimates. Some other stocks include Electronic Arts and even Netflix. So are any of the stocks worth your money or is Wall Street completely missing the mark? Let's go off the charts Ooh. with Rich here. We're going to send him off to the plaza, Rich. <laughs> well, as you send me off, we're going to go from institutional sales to institutional sports bar here. Nice. The guys are nice. a little intimidated by Start the lack of... So, you know, look, we're going to play down to our level here and we're going to make our way over. A little yes. bit for Guy <laughs> in the house. We're like Ray Liotta and Goodfellas here. The long shot with the steady cam. That's a Scorsese signature move. I'm going to show you some of my signature moves here. We're going to keep with the movie theme here, Netflix. So what are we going to do? We're going to buy the dip and chill. Why? Because it works every time here. So boom, 13% decline here. We'll do it in green, but you get the picture. It's going down. 13% decline into a rally. And finally, we've got about a 13% decline here. And importantly, just like Facebook yesterday, okay, what's the stock done for the last five months? It's done absolutely nothing. Now, the chart's getting a little messy, but you get the picture here. Five-month sideways trading range. What happens each time? Boom to the upside. That's what's going to happen here. So from the flicks, we're going to go to the chips here. Okay, it's called Broadcom, but the ticker symbol is Avago. So we take the guns, we leave the cannolis and the ticker here. We like this stock too. So we bought the 13% pullback in Netflix. You're going to buy the 11% pullback in Broadcom every time. There's one, there's two, there's three. And more importantly, prior resistance becomes support. We got our 100-day right here. Boom. That's all setting you up for success as you enter the month of January with an average return of 5% in the socks over the last 20 years. So from the flicks and the chips, we write some scripts. We're looking at Vertex oh, Pharmaceuticals we here. We're looking at a weekly chart here. What a great setup. This is a stock that has crushed it this year. Boom. You're up over 100%. So what's happened over the last few months is this classic counter trend flag. You're breaking out of that flag. You're testing and holding that prior resistance. And boom. We double tap the screen, and now we got to do it again. You get the picture here. You're buying the flicks, you're buying the chips, and you're writing scripts in Vertex. Three great names, three strong stocks. They're going to get even stronger in 2018. That was Rich Ross Unleashed. I mean, wow. uh, he took Epic. the jacket off. Epic. He's going to walk. Yeah. I didn't even ask him to come on over. He's just presuming just he's coming, coming over. back. Rolling his way I mean, what is going on run? here? He's got a Take perfectly good canoe. And all of a sudden, he's. Yes. All right. Well, can I ask him a quick question? Western yes. Digital. Go for it. Sure. Western Digital, 44% off, right, of, of, of the targets. So what, what do the charts look like in that? That name wasn't up there. And I'm no. just, as an owner, I'm curious. No, but I'm Self a professional, report. so I know what the chart of Western Digital looks like. Do. So we've had a pullback here, okay? That prior resistance becomes support. We've tested and held this key level on several occasions. I think it holds, again, once again, that strong seasonality. You've seen the, aggress the, the aggressive rotation out of energy, excuse me, into energy, out of semis. That's going to reverse as we get into the new year. In the short term, you want to buy that pullback in Western Digital, but watch for a break below that critical support, because below that level, that's your stop for traders. What do you think about Broadcom? given the Qualcomm 
entanglement. Well, I tell you what, I, I, th I think that's an accretive deal to these guys. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going to happen with right. this deal, but I do think it, it indicates the, the intrinsic value in Qualcomm. I, I, I quickly back to Western Digital, just because not only does Rich know the chart, but the fundamentals on it are that this is a stock that's trading very cheap to Seagate. Uh, there's a lot of capacity additions that have been, I think, an overhang for the stock. But this is the one, if you look at what's going on in the rest of the sector, this is totally unwarranted. I think they, I think well, they grow 35 to 45 percent. I'll say is, I mean, he did a nice job with the technicals, but the fundamentals on this one are kind of interesting, too. Remember, Western Digital is also SanDisk, right? And so they've actually had a couple misses and guides down. There's gaps in this chart, and it's very relative, let's say, to a Broadcom, which has actually had a, a series of beaten raises. It hasn't done a whole heck of a lot since that early move this year. And let me tell you, if they get Qualcomm and NXP, that stock is going much higher next year. That trades at 13 and a half times, expected earnings and sales growth of 15%. So it's cheap to the market, it's cheap to its peers, and it's cheap relative to its expected growth. Coming up, are you going to keep the jacket off? You know, we'll let the viewers vote on that one. Oh. Wow. Go to Twitter, folks. Coming up, metals, miners, and rallies. Oh, my. The group has been surging over the past month. But can the run continue? The traders will weigh in. Plus, Pete's warming up, getting ready to pitch one stock. He says we'll knock it out of the park next year. You might want to listen to him because his last 10, yes, 10 ideas have been home runs. Wow. Find out the name when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Time for an instant replay. Back in May, Pete said Visa was headed for a breakout. I think this thing's going not only to 100, probably 105, maybe even as high as 110. I bought the stock today. I was in the stock a few weeks ago. I got out of it because my position, it's where I wanted it to be. I saw options come back in. I think the stock's going higher. Pete was on the money. The stock is not only above 110, but is up more than 20% since that pitch. Pete, what are you doing now? You know what? I took it off. I, have, I, have, I always try to stick with the discipline. So the yeah. level that I want to take it off at, whether it's good or bad, so the ones that go against me, I'm going to take them off as they go to the downside and as they go to the upside, do the same type of thing. And that one, it hit the targets. I was out. out. I'm not in it right now. Right. Strong. I'd love to get back in it. We'll but I'm not yeah. in it right All now. All right. Well, you've been on fire, so why don't you head over to cool. the plasma. Give us your latest fast pitch. All righty. So today we're looking at Constellation Brands. Now, this is a really great company, and I always start off with the, the three primary fundamentals. The number one always starts with management. This is a great management team. They've been around for a long, long time. Matter of fact, the CEO has been there, and he's moved, worked all the way up over the last couple of decades. He's been in this position now for about a dozen years or something like that. Very, very strong management team. I'll tell you why in just a second. The growth. When I look at this company and I look at double-digit earnings growth, I look at margin expansion, they really are growing in all the right areas. And part of that reason is something that they're doing in such an aggressive way with some of their acquisition strategy. They bought the Modelo franchise. That was a $5 billion buy. That was really interesting, I thought, and that added to them. They're always looking out and trying to find other ways to continue to grow and continue to expand in the markets that they're in. Right now, it's the IPAs, but they also very recently bought, and we were talking about this just a couple commercial breaks ago, they bought into a marijuana company as well, almost 10%. So this is a company that's not scared to be aggressive, be innovative, and continue to work to the upside. By the way, this stock has hit now five separate occasions in the month of December with unusual activity, all going out to January, all buying upside. Matter of fact, we had some just today. So I like this company. I'm in it. I'm actually in the stock, not the options. I've seen the option activity. It attracted me enough to get into the stock, and so I presently own it right now. 
Questions for Pete. Tim, I think so, you have one. So, Pete, I, I, yeah. I have to tell you, I, I totally agree with you on this. Oh. I, I think it's a great company. I think it's as diversified in the space. But I, I'm very concerned about two things. I'm concerned about Mexico, mm -hmm. and, and I'm concerned about cannabis. Which of those are a bigger risk, or do either of them bother you? You know what? Neither of them bother me right now, Tim. And I think, I think they've just done a great job of expanding themselves regionally, as well as where they've bought the brands and the brands that they own presently. Now, the marijuana thing, I wouldn't be concerned about that. I think that's nothing but upside. They own a 10% position right now. It's about $200 million that they put into a $2 billion company. So I like what they're doing right now. I like the expansion and getting themselves a little bit more diversification in the space. No more questions. Time to vote. Dan, <laughs> what do you say? Buying uh, or selling? Uh, I, listen, that's a great power pitch by uh, It's not a power pitch. There. It's a fast but pitch. I, I think it's getting a little expensive trading 25 times. That's expected. that sell one. Is, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a little faded, um, small, and whatever. You know, trading 25 times, expected to grow, earnings and sales, high single digits. Rich, what Look, you you're, you're preaching to the choir analyst, uh, Rob Ottenstein. He's loved this stock for 150, 200 points here. $235 upside price target earnings out January 5th. We're looking for strong numbers. This is a stock you want to buy and hold and buy more. Timbo. Yeah, I, I actually think the valuation is deserved. Double-digit growth. These guys are best in class. Best portfolio of brands right now. It's a great global brand. That's right up my alley. I like it, Pete. Nice job. You guys, one sell here on this desk, but did Pete's pitch on Constellation Brands get you in the spirit to buy the stock. Go oh, now in our Twitter poll at CNBC Fast Money. We've got the results coming up later in the show. Still ahead, it's the one stock that's been on a screaming tear in the last month. Can the run continue? Do not move a muscle. Much more Fast Money still ahead. Back to Fast Money. While everyone focuses on Bitcoin mining, quietly real mining stocks have been surging. Check out the XME Metals and Mining ETF down today, but still up nearly 15% in the last month. This while copper shines, the red metal now up for 15 of the last uh, 15 trading sessions, having its best winning streak since, get this, 1989. But is this rally in these metal and mining stocks overdone, Tim? Well, the best time to make money in these stocks is when things are at their worst, right? So Freeport was trading at 3 bucks in 2016, and now it's an $18.5 stock. Uh, I, I caution you on Freeport. This is not your father's Freeport. There's been a lot of changes in this company over the last five years. It's not the chart you want to chase to look at where it was in 2007. Copper prices, though, I think can go higher, and I think we're at almost three and a half, almost four-year highs in copper. I think there's going to be supply, supply shortages coming out of Chile, and I actually think this is, of all the metals, uh, there could be the most supply imbalance. So I would go for other plays in the space. I actually think that Southern Copper, which trades in the New York, or Antofagasta, which trade in London, are interesting names. Um, Freeport, I, I wouldn't tell you to run out the window. I'm long the stock. I've been fi I've been slowly although trading. Although Southern Copper hit it high today as well, right? Yep. I mean, so the, no, these things have been moving to the upside. As a matter of fact, December 1st, we were looking at Freeport trading 14, and Tim's point is now trading over 18. Eleven separate occasions we've had unusual activity in this particular name, yep. including yesterday. Huge buying. I still think there's upside, and I don't think you have really to be careful. But you stay, but you stay in this name because I think it goes through twenty dollars a share. There you go. I want to get Rich's technical take oh. first on on Freeport. Yeah, look, Melissa. A lot of people spend seven years in college. They're called doctors, and Dr. Copper with that beautiful multi-year best breakout. It's that a head and shoulders really bottom. Bang. Okay, we and, pay for and you know what happened seven you years ago? That was the last time that Freeport <laughs> traded above its two hundred week until this. Week. So you're buying copper on the multi-year base breakout and you're buying Freeport on the return back above that 200 week. You got to love what you see in the resources. Once again, consistent with the macro, synchronized global growth, reflation without inflation produces elation. You're a buyer. Wow. Aren't you glad we took that detour before going to options I action? Sure. I don't think that's so, okay. not come out with a coat on, by the way. That's not a coat on. Right, no, comment. that's Thank why goodness he's the unleashed coat came tonight. Yeah. Good job. Um, what does the options he, he action say about FCS? You a couple years, didn't you, in college? <laughs> 
right, I tried. No, so one thing is really interesting today, call volume was two times that of puts in FCX on a day that it made, what, a 15 consecutive, um, you know, high here. It's trading at a 52-week high. You know, you talked about those 40% gains year-to-date. They all came in the last month. So today was interesting to me. With all that call activity, the largest print on the day was in January, 17 and a half puts, and that was the most active strike. Um, and one of the largest trades was 5,000 were bought when the stock was trading about 1873 of the Jan 17 and a half puts, paying 26 cents to open. Those break even at 1724, down 8% from the trading level. And when you think about it, here's a stock that's literally gone parabolic in a month. And this, I suspect, is a trader putting on some short-term protection into the new year, locking in uh, protection. Look at that line. That's the breakout. That's about the this thing's going to 20, it. and if you're, it, you you may be right that it's protected. Dude, don't shoot the messenger. But the it's March not my 20, trade. I'm the, not suggesting it. I'm the just March 20 happened. calls that they were buying yesterday, 23,000 of those, and they were paying real money, 85 cents. That tells me that this thing is ready okay. to break and out, and, out two, and through it takes 20. Two sides to make a market here, and I suspect this no, is no, 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 that's, that's a misinformation that's about the stock. Right. What they might right. be playing uh, for is they may be they're potentially about correct. to do a big settlement in Indonesia with the right. government, uh, which has been the big overhang for the stock. That's why he turned into this show. Is that the Grassberg mine? Yes. All right. but, wow. but, but again, I, I think they're losing a lot of value by cutting that deal, and I think therefore it's less profitable of a company. But all right. Okay. For more options action, check out the full show. That's Friday, 5:30 p.m. Eastern time. Up next, cheers to the new year. Are you buying Constellation brands on Keeps Fast Pitch? Head to the Twitter poll oh. right now and vote the results after the break. Turn around. I'm going there. Welcome back. Here's the drum roll because it's time to find out whether you at home bought Pete's Pitch for Constellation Brands and nobody puts Pete in the corner. Oh, he's having the time of his life. Keep his undefeated oh. title because America voted yes wow. for your pitch and you are having the time speech. of your life. Wow. I feel like I'm the time Give of my life. Give us a dance. That's fantastic. Dance. Hey, dance. you know what I'm saying. Stop. Stop. Don't be muscle. afraid. You can Stop. put it out there, big boy. <laughs> I'm going Pepsi with my Whoa. final trade. Pepsi, Jesus the final trade. Start the final trade on his own. Yeah. There we go. Sorry. Now we start. Tim. <laughs> nice job, Pete. Ter- oh. Terrible dance. Um, as we <laughs> talked about earlier, buy WDC. Discount to Seagate. Network appliances. That's the one I'd go with. We can't unsee that dance. Yeah. Yeah. It's with you guys forever. can see it. I'll do it out front. United Rentals. Keep moving. United Rentals. You are I. I rent them. I lease with an option to buy. Stock goes to 190 Dan? Rich Ross. Yeah, I'll tell you Tom what. Crushed, he crushed you. Money. He crushed you tonight. I actually think from a technical perspective and a fundamental perspective, <laughs> I think Avago Broadcom sets up really interesting here. So I like Rich Ross's call. All right. I'm uh, Melissa Lee. Nice. Thanks so much for watching. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast. Meantime, Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. <laughs> What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.